you to grab your copy of God's Word, turn with me to John chapter 1, get your sermon notes out, and uh, you know, we are, we're about three weeks in, we got one more week and then Christmas Eve day, Christmas Eve, uh, we're in this series called God With Us, and we're looking at why we celebrate Christmas, more specifically, why we celebrate Christ at Christmas, you know, uh, the reality is a lot of people celebrate the holiday of Christmas without celebrating the, the Christ in Christmas. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they do the gifts and the parties, the decorations, all that, but a lot of people miss the reason. And so we're spending a little bit of time just unpacking what John chapter 1 has to say because a lot of people acknowledge or, or a lot of people don't acknowledge, rather, who Jesus is, that he is God, that he is God who came to earth uh, in human form. You know, that's who Jesus is. A lot of people don't uh, appreciate what he offers. You know, that he offers life, real life, abundant life, like we talked about last week. And some people even just flat out reject Jesus. They just flat out reject that, that he is the, the greatest gift ever, that he is God's gift to us, that, that he came uh, to be the savior of the world and to make it possible for us to uh, to have a relationship with God. Well, what we're going to see today is regardless of what people think about Jesus, it doesn't change what he's done. It doesn't change what he's already accomplished. As we continue going through John chapter 1, we're going to see that we've got a reason to celebrate Christ because of what he's already done, what he's already accomplished. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked this earth uh, as a man, fully God, fully man, but Jesus walked this earth um, and, and when God in human form came down to us, and even though the world didn't acknowledge him, even though his own people didn't uh, accept him, it didn't change the fact that he is Jesus. He is Savior, and he offered the chance for people to become children of God, for us to really experience what it means to be, for God to be God with us. And, and what I hope you catch today is that that was God's plan all along. That was God's plan from the beginning. So let's jump in. Let's read John chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 6. We're going to read through verse 16. Next week, we'll, uh, we'll do verse 14. But for this week, let's look at verses 6 through 13. And this is uh, John writing about, uh, about John the Baptist. He said, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light. Who's the light? Who's the light? Jesus, somebody said God, one and the same, good deal. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, okay? So God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, Jesus, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony, because of John the Baptist's testimony. John himself was not the light, okay? He wasn't Jesus. He simply was a witness to tell about the light, to tell about Jesus. The one who is the true light, Jesus, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He, talking about Jesus, came into the very world that he created. We learned about that in week one, that Jesus is creator. Everything that exists, exists because of him. He came into the world, uh, into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, the, the Jewish people, and even they rejected him. But, I love verse 12, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but from a, but a birth that comes from God. 
Man, this first chapter of John is just packed full of great teaching about Jesus. And it reminds us of why Jesus deserves to be worshipped this time of year, really all throughout the year, but especially as we celebrate Christmas. It reminds us uh, that, you know, why we worship Christ at Christmas. And like we said in week one, we worship Christ because of who he is. Last week, we talked about worshiping him because of what he offers. He offers life and light, real life and, and light to the world. And today, we're going to see, we're going to look at what Jesus has already done. So if you're following along in your notes, if you're the kind of person who likes to take notes or if it helps you to stay focused by filling in the blanks, we got that for you. You can pull it up on the Bible app. You can pull it out on paper. But point number one is this, your adoption into God's family has always been God's plan. Your adoption into God's family, his plan for you to become a child of God has always been his plan. It's been his plan from the very beginning. Let's look at verse 13 again. It says, they, meaning those who believe in Jesus, are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. What John is saying here is that you and I, you and I being able to become a part of God's family, being able to be called children of God, that's not from us. That's not something we came up with. That was God's plan. That is his plan, and it's been his plan from the very start. Verse 10 and 11 tell us that it wasn't man's plan. Verse 10 and 11 make it very clear. John says that people missed who Jesus was. They missed who he was right there in front of him. You know, even when they were looking for him, it says his own people didn't even recognize him. The Jewish people were looking for the Messiah, and they missed Jesus being the Messiah right there in front of them. Even when angels showed up and announced his birth, they missed that Jesus was the Son of God. I love the, uh, the trend now that's been going on for a few years of, of gender reveals and birth announcements and people make a bigger and bigger deal about them, right, you know, and, you know, they'll have, uh, I love the ones that go wrong, you know, like maybe there's a big balloon and you're supposed to pop the balloon to find out the confetti is either pink or, or blue and, and, you know, and then the balloon gets away and nobody's able to pop it and dad's running across the yard trying to grab it and everybody's like, oh! You know, it was like, and the kid's still the kid, okay? And, you know, it's a boy or a girl already, you know. Who cares what's in the balloon? Uh, there was one a few years ago where they did a gender reveal out in the desert, and they used some kind of ammo that was like exploding ammo or whatever, and it caught the desert on fire. You remember that? That was a gender reveal that went wrong. You know, it got a lot of publicity uh, out here in Arizona. But listen, there has not been a single story about the uh, a birth announcement that compares to the announcement of Jesus. We're going to talk about Luke 2 um, on Christmas Eve night and, and get into that narrative, but angels filled the place. Angels just just filled the sky and announced that Jesus was here, that Jesus, the, the one they had been looking for, was here. Can we pause for a minute? Nio, Maria, it is so good to, guys, to have you guys with us. I don't mean to point you out, but I love you guys so much. This is my, uh, my son-in-law's mom and dad. Can you guys make them feel welcome? <laughs> love you guys. It is so good to see you. All right, sorry. Uh, it's just, it just joy, my heart just fills with joy when I see people I love. I love y'all too, okay? He doesn't ever point us out, you know? And he's like, I come back all the time. He's never said anything, but yeah, all right, sorry. But no, nothing compares to the birth announcement of Jesus that he got, and they still missed it. 
They still missed that Jesus was, was the one. Look at verse 10 and 11. John says this. It says, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and they rejected him. And so we see that it wasn't our plan to become children of God. It was God's plan. Becoming a part of God's family through faith in Jesus was not man's plan. It was God's plan. And here's the amazing thing. It was God's plan from the very beginning. Look at Ephesians. Just happened to be, I don't believe I just happened to be. God knew exactly where I would be, you know, in my quiet time uh, a year ago when we started planning out this series and knew exactly what we'd be talking about. And I just happened to be on this passage early this week. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, look what it says. This is Paul writing through the church of Ephesus. He says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You and I getting to be a part of God's family through faith in Jesus has been God's plan all along. I've said this before, but it bears repeating, Jesus was not God's plan B. Jesus wasn't God's backup plan. Jesus coming to earth and being God with us is his plan all along. It wasn't like God was up there going, okay, I'm going to make paradise. I'm going to put these two people, Adam and Eve, in it, and it's going to be great, and we're going to, they messed it up. All right, all right, let's start over. Uh, You know what? Um, I'm going to send a flood. I'm going to wipe everything out. I'm going to start with this, this guy Noah and his family, and, and they'll finally get it. And oh, Man, they messed it up again. All right, all right, all right. They're stuck in captivity in Egypt. They've been there long enough. I'm going to go rescue them. I'm going to take them to this, plant, to this land that I told them about. Uh, what should we call it? Well, you promised it to them. Call them the promised land. Promised land, that sounds great. We're going to take them to the promised land. And when they get there, they're going to see that I'm God. And the world's going to know that I'm God. And it's going to be great. There's even going to be a house for me to come and dwell among them. We'll call it a temple. And, and it's going great. Oh, man, they messed it up again. What are we going to do? All right, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'll go down there myself. I'll go down and I'll show them through, through, through me, through Jesus, I'll show them my love. And maybe that, as a last-ditch effort, maybe that'll communicate to them. No. Jesus, I can't even wrap my head around this. Jesus was God's plan all along. From the very beginning, it was his plan to send his son to the earth to be a sacrifice for our sins, to die and be raised back to life. And all who believe in him shall be saved, have the right to be called the children of God. And he does it because he loves us. Can I just tell you that? God loves you. Some of you here today need to hear that right there. You need to hear that God loves you. Some of you today, you're, you're like, I, I just don't, I just, I, let's be honest. Sometimes we wonder if God really loves us. Sometimes we wonder. We're like, I mean, I know the, I know the Bible says he loves me, and I know I learned it in my, in my connect group, and I know the preacher talks about it and everything, but I don't know, man. I don't know how God could love me. I don't know how God could love me after what I did. I don't know how God could love me after what I did again and again and again. Surely his patience has run out. Surely his mercy has been used up. Surely his love has been exhausted. No. God loves you. 
And it's been, all along, it's been his plan all along to love you and for you to love him through faith in Jesus. Now, you and I have a part to play in that, in that relationship with God. We have a response that we need to make to God's love, but I want you to see something really cool. Rather than having to earn God's love, rather than having to work for God's love, I want you to see something really cool. Point number two is this. Your acceptance as a child of God has already been approved. Your acceptance, it's always been God's plan for you to, to be a part of his family. Well, your acceptance as a child of God or into his family has already been approved. You know, the, the adoption process is a long and complicated and, and can be a costly process. We've had, we, I know some families that have gone through that here. We've got, I've got church planter friends, pastor friends who have gone through that with, with their kids. You know, it can take months, sometimes even years. It can cost tens of thousands of dollars. All throughout the process, there are these hurdles that you have to jump through. And at each step of the way, there are, there are times where you feel like you're stuck in this holding pattern, waiting on the next thing to get approved so the process can move forward. It, it can be a long process where, where parents are, are waiting and, and children are waiting, you know, for, for everything to be approved. But that's not the case with God. God's already done everything that is needed. He's already done everything needed for you and I to get to be a part of his family. All you and I have to do is believe that he's already done everything that needs to be done. All that you and I have to do is to place our faith in Jesus, to believe that God's done everything. John 1, 12, look what it says. To all who believed in him, talking about Jesus, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. There's a song, Jesus Paid It All. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. You know, we sing that song, but let me ask you, do we believe it? Do we really believe that Jesus did everything? Do we believe that for us? Because sometimes we live like, oh, I know Jesus paid it all, but I must have to do something more. Surely it can't be that simple. Surely it can't be as easy as just believing that Jesus has already done everything that is required for me to be saved. Maybe another question is, do we believe it for others? <sighs> Have you seen the way they live? I mean, I know Jesus paid it all, but I don't know about that guy. No, Jesus paid it all for everyone, including you, including that guy, whoever that guy is in your mind. I think people feel like there must be more to do than just believe in Jesus, you know, that it, that it can't be that easy. And that's, that's why a lot of times you see people get sucked into religion. You know, I believe in God, but I also have to help him out. I believe Jesus died for my sins, but I also have to do a little bit more. I've got to somehow earn my salvation or somehow earn God's favor. What does God say is required of us? Two things here in this verse, in verse 12, to believe and accept. Now, that word believe, it, it, it's more than just an intellectual belief. It's more than just believing in the fact that Jesus was a real person who walked the earth, you know, some 2,000 years ago. It's more than believing, even acknowledging that, you know what, I believe that he died on the cross. You know what, I even believe in the miracle that God raised him back to life. I have an intellectual assent to that. It's more than even, you know, believing, you know, with your, with your brain you know, of the, the facts about Jesus. The Bible says that the demons believe. 
in all that stuff. What the belief that John is talking about here actually means that you trust in him. You trust in, in him. You trust that his death, burial, and resurrection was enough to save you. That if you place your faith in what Jesus did, in who he is, that you will be saved. And when you sincerely and genuinely believe in him. And so one thing John says is that we need to believe. The other says that he uses the word accept. You know, to accept Jesus means that you welcome him into your life. It's like, it's like welcoming a guest into your home and not treating them like a guest, but treating them like, you know what? You belong here. You live here. You're a part of this. You know, you, you have free run of the place. My house is your house. You can walk around in sweatpants and socks and lay on the couch and sit in the best chair. Here's the Wi-Fi password. You can watch Netflix and mess up all of my, you know, my, my, the order of my shows I want to watch. And, you know, you have free reign. My house is your house. It's you telling Jesus, Jesus, you have free reign in my life. My life is your life. I welcome you here. Guys, we don't earn our way into the family of God. God's already done everything needed. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace, God's grace, you have been saved through faith. Your faith, your faith in his grace, your faith in Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. What the Bible tells us is that all the work has already been done. Everything needed for you to become a part of God's family has already been done. All we have to do is place our faith in Jesus. Believe and accept. Now, even though the work's been done, it doesn't mean that we don't have work to do. Okay, we don't work for our salvation but we work because of our salvation. Do you understand the difference? We work because we're saved. We don't work to get saved, all right? And so number three is this. Our part is to tell others there's room for them too. Our part as children of God is to say, hey, you know what? We can put up bunk beds, you know? We, we can, we can, you can sleep on the couch, you know? We, we can insulate the garage, put a heater out there, and we'll, we'll put beds in there. Our part is to say there's more room in this house for you too. It's great that I got in. It's great that you got in. Now we need to go find others and make sure they get in also. Look at what John 1, 6 through 8 says about John the Baptist. It says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, to tell about Jesus, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. Now, John himself wasn't the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. So John the Apostle, that's who wrote the Gospel of John, John the Apostle is writing about John the Baptist, and he's clearing up a couple of things that were, that were going on. He's doing a couple of things here. First, he's addressing a confusion of the time that some people thought that John the Baptist might be the Messiah. You know, people came to him and were asking, you know, because he was out there and he was baptizing and, you know, people were coming to him and repenting. And, and so some people thought, well, maybe this is the Messiah. Well, John the Apostle clears that up. John the Baptist even clears that up and says, no, I'm not, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not even worthy of, of tying his sandals or untying his sandals. You know, there's one coming after me. And so John the Baptist clears that up. But the second thing that John's gospel does right here that, that he says about him is that he came to do what God called him to do. John says about John the Baptist that he came to be a witness and a testimony. He came to point 
people to Jesus, to get them ready to meet Jesus, to get them ready to hear about Jesus, to get them ready to place their faith in Jesus. And he did, he did it by his testimony, by his life. John was a witness. Guys, if you're a child of God, if there's been a time in your life where you have placed your faith in Jesus, then you get to be a witness. You get to be a testimony. You get to live your life in such a way that it leads other people to, to want what you've got, to say, I want to be that kind of person. You know, the, the Bible tells us to walk as Jesus walked. I've been working on something in my life, and I've talked about it before, but just a couple of weeks ago, and Pastor Sean and I were talking about this, I was like, let's get real practical about that. You know, shop as Jesus shopped. You know, speak as Jesus would have spoke. Drive if Jesus had a car. Drive as Jesus would have drove. I think that's why Jesus, never mind, maybe that's not why he walked, you know, but but if I'd have been around right then, I definitely would have benefited from a lot more walking, you know. Like I was driving the other day, and I thought, I wonder, when I pull into the church parking lot this morning, I'm coming to work, and when I pull into the church parking lot this morning, are people going to go, oh, that, that lines up. Yeah, the way that guy drove, he, he drives like a Christian. He drives like, like, a, like a believer ought to drive. You know, he's pulling into a church. Right now I see why he was so kind and patient and letting people in and et cetera. Or they'd be like, well, I'm glad he needs to be there, you know. Of all the places that guy needs to turn into, he needs to turn into a church parking lot, you know. People ought to be able to see the way I live and the way you live and should not be surprised that we're Christians. They should not be like, oh, really? I never, I never would have guessed. Instead, they should be like, oh, that adds up. The way that person is a person of peace. The way that person forgives. The way that person overlooks an offense. The way that person loves and is generous and is kind. And, and, and when they go through the worst of life's tragedies, they, just, they, are, they, they have a faith in God that, that I just couldn't even imagine Ephesians 1 says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his what? His dear children. Ephesians 1 tells us to imitate God, to look like God in the way we live. You know, when people look at us, there should be no question as to who our heavenly father is. I love looking at uh, old photos of people's, you know, like grandparents and even great-grandparents. And you've seen this, I'm sure, where, where someone's showing you a picture of their, grand, their grandparent or great-grandparent, and you can see the family resemblance. I mean, it is striking. Like, maybe it, maybe it skipped a generation from mom and dad. Like, you can pick some things out from mom and dad, but when you get to grandma or grandpa or great-grandpa, you're like, holy, wow, look, you look just like them, you know? I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, you also see it sometimes when you're, when you, if you ever meet somebody's parents for the first time, a lot of things click in as to why that person is the way they are, you know, because they're, they're just imitating what they grew up with there. And so, ladies, when your husband says, you sound just like your mama, it's a compliment, okay? He's not criticizing. Maybe. But, uh, <laughs> but there's a reason. There's a reason. You know, it, it, it's, it's no surprise when someone meets our parents or, or great-grandparents or grandparents, whatever, and they see how we've turned out is because of how they were. We're, we're simply imitating them. This is what we grew up with. This is the house we grew up in. And so you and I ought to be very much like our Heavenly Father because this is who we're imitating. This is who we can't help but be like. In everything we do, we should be people who are pointing people to Jesus. And, and one of the best ways that we get to help others get into the family of God 
is just by living the kind of life that they can say, you know what, I don't know how to become a Christian, but that guy, that girl, they obviously are one. I'm just going to follow them and see where they go. I'm just going to tag along behind them and see where they go. And we ought to be able to say, listen, if you don't know the way to Jesus, then you can just follow me, and I'll help you get there. Will you pray with me? All across the room, enter in prayer with me as our worship team comes up and gets ready to lead us in song. Let's just enter into this time of responding to the joy that God loves us, the knowledge that he has done everything needed to save us, And ask the Holy Spirit, what does he want of us now? Let me just ask you a question. Is your life pointing people to Jesus? Why don't you ask God that? God, is my life pointing people to Jesus? When people look at you and observe your life and find out that you're a Christ follower, is it a surprise or... Does it make them say, oh, it all makes sense? Maybe you're here today and you realize, you know what? I, I, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. But there's some things in my life that aren't pointing people to Jesus right now. Would you just take time between you and God and just say, God, I know you're not okay with that. And, and I shouldn't be okay with that either. Maybe there's a sin you need to confess. Maybe there's an act of obedience where you haven't been fully obedient to him. Maybe there's some area of, of, of stubbornness, whatever it is. Would you just pause right now and say, God, you have revealed to me this area of my life that's not pointing to Jesus, and I want to let you fix that. I want to let you change me. I confess it. I repent of it. And I'm ready to follow hard after Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're realizing that in order to point people to Jesus, you first need to know him yourself. And maybe today could be the day where you become a child of God. Today could be the day where you place your faith in Jesus. It's as easy as calling out to him and say, God, I believe in Jesus and I accept him into my life. Jesus, my life is your life. You are welcome here. Heavenly Father, hear the prayers of your people. Hear the prayers of people ready to come to faith in you right now. And be with us as we just continue in this time of response and sing this next song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.